0: Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigar Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm sitting across from Mr. Shane Reeves. It
1: is beautiful. This September weather is absolutely wonderful. This is cigar weather. I think anything between 72 and 82 is... Prime Cigar Weather. I got to break out a sweater today. Can you believe that? Yeah, I mean, you got sweater on, you have your shirt cuffed up underneath. I do what I can. You're not as snazzy as you were last week. No, that's true. But we do have a special guest this week. Also wearing a collared shirt. Also, yes. (laughs) He's the owner now,
2: and I'm the owner of our local shop, Austin Huff. It's glad to be back on the show, guys. I appreciate y'all having me back, so...
0: Well, we, we said at the time when you, were, when you joined us on the, the first time around that we wanted to have you back as a first-time cigar shop owner after about six months under your belt, after all the rose color has gone from the glasses <laughs> and all the cynicism has sunk in and you hate everybody and you uh, hate life, and we want to get the real picture of what it's like. So we appreciate you joining us. Absolutely.
1: Well, before we get started into the nuts and bolts of owning a cigar
2: bar the dream for everybody out there i want to know what you're going to smoke tonight so i'm going to be smoking the uh pete johnson exclusive at uh, tatuaje events it is the uh pork tenderloin so uh unfortunately i do not carry these in my store i wish um but i was able to uh being that you uh i am an owner now you get specific privileges and being able to trade some stock to some certain people so i was able to pick up uh pork chop and pork tenderloin so I'm going to be smoking the uh, pork tenderloin tonight, Tatuahe.
1: And these, it says they were, it's a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over a Nicaraguan filler, and they were made for the now-defunct store
2: Gloucester Street Cigars. Correct. It was originally blended and made for a specific lounge, just like Fat Bottom Betty was, or the Betty Cigars, Deadwood Tobacco was for Deadwood up in uh, North Dakota, Uh, but... uh, they got so popular and and, and raved about so much in the cigar industry that uh, they started uh, making it as an exclusive production uh, for uh, Pete Johnson events that he attends to, which uh, he doesn't do very many a year. We're talking maybe two or three a year. So there's very, very few of them out there. So if you're ever able to pick them up, I highly recommend it because it is one of the most rare and exclusive and sought after cigars, period.
0: Well, Trey, what are you going to smoke tonight? So I talked about it on the show last week, um, the Romeo 505 Nicaragua. And I said I wasn't going to smoke it because I've already smoked it on the show. But today, that gummit, this is what I want. I'm smoking it this time. It's a great smoke. <laughs> it, it really impressed me. I remember when the original Romeo came out probably five years ago uh, when they rebranded at that point and, and really enjoying that cigar. Don't think it was cigar of the year, but it was a very good cigar. I agree. And so when this, I had really high hopes for the Nicaraguan when this came out because I know what they can do on a new line. And I was not disappointed at all. In fact, I think when after I had my first one, I probably had five in as many days. I liked it that much. I think I'm, I'm interested because it's been a while. I haven't had one in a, a couple of months. So I'm interested to go back to it and see if it's still everything that I remember it. So I'm smoking an exciting oh, cigar. Oh, I'm sorry, tonight. Shane. What are you smoking? Uh, that's okay. I got it. Just
1: go <laughs> ahead. Just go ahead and carry on with your romance of the Romeo Nicaraguan. <laughs> and uh, I'm smoking new to the shop. Just came in last week, Austin.
2: Uh, yes, it did. So it is the new release. Or sorry, if you'd like me to, uh, it's the very new release from uh, Miami Cigars. It is the uh, uh, La Aurora uh, DNA. Um, so. Uh, That's a very, very exciting release from uh, Miami Cigars that they just came out with at the trade show uh, back in July. And uh, they just started shipping this previous week. So I'm very excited to get them in my store. And I think that the customers are really going to like them. And I believe you said yourself that that's uh, one of your new favorite releases.
1: Yeah, this is my fourth one of these that I've smoked. I really like this cigar. If you'll notice, it's unusually light to be in my hand. It's really a Connecticut style wrapper, which you don't see a lot of when I'm gonna be smoking it. But this is done using a special kind of tobacco. I'm big into these, you know, different treatments of tobacco. So it's grown using a technique, um, and I've got it right here in front of me, Anduyo tobacco. So what they do- I thought that was a kind of sausage. No, that's Andouille. Uh, Andouilleau. <laughs> Andouilleau technique, what they do, instead of putting the tobacco into big pea lawns, which is basically piles, to let it harvest, they actually roll this into, um, I'm getting the exact word here, quartas? Yeah, into quartas, and it's buried in the ground to actually season out. And it gives this cigar kind of a different taste. It's really a light cigar, but really complex. And that's, that's something I love. Whenever I find a cigar that is lighter in strength, but more complex in flavor, I always feel like I've really found a gem. So, Austin, six months now since you've purchased the shop.
2: I'm still breathing. We're still still here. Doors ain't closed yet.
1: (laughs) Six months? That's, let's see, 40 hours a week.
2: That would Uh, be... 60 hours a week. Oh, yeah. I was about to say uh, 40 40 is uh, what I would like to work. The realization is 80 to more.
1: (laughs) You're about 8 million hours into this shop at this point. First, I do want to thank you. Thank you for making it somewhere my wife and I can enjoy having a cigar. Absolutely. Making it a gentleman's environment. You've done a great job. you got new tables in. You've added two new smoke eaters that to the correct. lounge area, new chairs, new locker system. The humidor is in shape. You've done a great job. I hey, want to start by telling that. you that. You know, we're we're really pulling for you, and we're really proud of you for all that you have done to the shop. So what's surprised you? What's been your biggest surprise so far?
2: Well, being that it's not just owning the cigar shop, but just owning Chip in general is... Uh ownership in general is the maintenance. Um, (laughs) There was a lot more maintenance in the startup than I I expected. Now, being that I took over a store that had not been taken care of properly in such a long time, uh, I should have uh, planned and expected for more. So I've had to do all kinds of maintenance between electrical, plumbing, as you mentioned, smoke filtration, ventilation, uh, kegerator issues. I mean, eh, pretty much every form of maintenance I've Worked on. I can tell you everything about this building now, (laughs) like it's the back of my hand. So, uh, but besides that, uh, it's been. uh, I think the biggest surprise has been, uh, on a positive note, is the growth. Is uh, I've had so much growth in such a short time frame, uh, without even starting my whole marketing plan yet. Uh, All of my my time and effort has been onto, as you mentioned, and beefing up the store. You know, making the store more of a relaxing and enjoyable atmosphere for the customer. So improving the, the smoke fil- filtration system in here, getting nicer, new newer furniture, um, getting a better looking humidor, better humidification in there. So uh, that's my probably my favorite thing on a positive note with it as far as the, the surprise is that uh, the business has grown at more of a rate than I expected.
0: I've got to say when you talk about the furniture, my Sunday afternoon naps have gotten much better since <laughs> <so. laughs>
1: Well, and I, as far as the growth of business without doing much marketing, you have done some marketing. You sponsored an Upstart Young
2: podcast. You're welcome. Absolutely. We're glad that we <laughs> could take care of that for you, you and get the new people rolling in here on a regular That's right. basis. That's right. <laughs> now, as far as the whole marketing, it's just I haven't really promoted a lot so much because I, d- I didn't want to promote the stores on a higher level until it was uh, maintained properly, until there was things that were fixed. And I've taken my time with that, you know, being that I'm not just owning, but I'm both owning and managing. So I'm taking on both roles with it. I have to manage both all the employees and I have to do everything on the side, the ownership. So even though I'm not, I don't technically live here, although I have people that believe that I have a cot in the back somewhere, uh, I still do have to, you know, do standard, you know, ownership things, tobacco tax, taxes, payroll, all that Catching All that fun the, stuff that nobody likes to hear about.
1: <laughs> catching the occasional late-night armadillo. Yeah.
2: Ex- oh, yeah, that's a funny story to talk about. So, uh, I'm not familiar with this story. You had not heard this I story? I haven't yet? heard this story. All right, so um, I was uh, working one of the evening shifts one time. This is when I was going through some uh, employee training and some uh, or employee changes and uh, getting some new staff in. So I was working a night shift by myself, and uh, was you know doing standard closing procedures and taking out the trash, and uh, I propped the back door open because that's just one of the things I've always done. Is I always leave the back door open when I go and take the garbage to the, the uh, garbage can in the back. And uh, as I'm walking back, I see this tiny little thing from a long distance, and uh, didn't didn't know what it was because too far away. And when I got close enough, I realized it was an armadillo, and my heart just stopped because the The closer I got, the more I realized that this thing was getting closer and closer to the door and it was just standing there. (laughs) And then right when I get up to it, it just darts in the store. And this is after hours closing. There's nobody in the store and...
0: That's how I you spend, get people
2: out on time. I you know, release right? armadillo. <laughs> release the kraken. No, that's the new saying. So, uh, no, I, I spent half an hour chasing around an armadillo in my store, and I've had so many people that keep saying, "You need to find the footage and release the footage." And uh, honestly, I should. It's a really uh, funny experience. You, you see me in here on the cameras. I'm. I'm yelling and screaming. I'm not happy because that was late. I was tired, and I'm having to chase down an armadillo like it's a cat and mouse game. So uh, that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a definite learning experience. What know? Was How did you weapon of choice? What's that?
1: What was the weapon of choice? Did you go at him barehanded, or did you get a no, broom no, or I, a
2: mop? Or? I know that uh, they, they're known of uh, carrying leprosy, I believe.
1: Well, their body uh, temperature is conducive to the growth of leprosy yes. virus. So uh, I kept
2: that in mind, and
0: I—that's I, a cigar cast top tip. <laughs> <laughs>
2: if you're chasing an armadillo, make sure you wear gloves. <laughs> so, um, no, I uh, uh, had to get a broom. I just got my standard broom and my uh, my bucket, and tried to scoop them in there. And then I realized that this is an armadillo. This isn't a tiny little mouse or something. This thing's heavy. It's not you can't really scoop it not to mention it's alive so <laughs> how do you catch something that's alive and doesn't and, want to be and caught doesn't want to be caught <laughs> so uh, that's why i spent 30 minutes and i had to trap him in a corner and finally i got my bucket i got a bucket and and, and trapped him in there and scooped him up in the bucket and then took him out back and threw him out so uh that was uh, one of the exciting tribulations that i went through uh with ownership is uh Chasing well, armadillos. Who knew?
1: Two things. I own lots of guns. <laughs> if you'd just made the call, I'd have been up here in under 30 minutes with all the 12-gauge shotguns and shells you could handle. And Brentwood's finest would have been here <laughs> yeah. in 35. About
2: to they say. could have helped us catch the armadillo. <laughs> we, we, we could use those, use that footage to set up a movie. We just had me and Shane in here. We're just chasing <laughs> it around, popping rounds <laughs> off in the store. People coming in the next day and saying, hey, it, it adds... It adds texture to the store, guys. You smoke a cigar and smell some gunpowder. Yeah. A buckshot sale.
1: Yeah. That's what we're going to call this. The buckshot sale at the cigar. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so is there anything yet at this point that if you had to go back and do differently that you would? Um, what it would be is, is um,
2: planning for my uh, IT problems uh, more. So I knew that... Uh, uh, IT was going to be a big factor during the transition change, but I did not realize how much time it was going to take for me to truly uh, fix it. Now I had a deep understanding, of course, of my standard POS system, my processor, all that, but what I didn't expect was all of the glitches that would have had potential to happen and didn't have a plan to enact those. So when I took over... Uh, There was some glitches that happened because there's over 7,000 SKUs in my computer because it's Had SKUs that have transferred over from previous ownership. So it just took such a long time to Fix everything as far as things that were barcoding pricing and that just that was a nightmare I was up for three days straight the first three days that I took over was here for 70 something hours straight I was getting delusional that was not fun so Uh, if I could go back and and do it again, I would plan more for my IT. So,
1: now, also giving credit, your mother has done a great job coming in here and helping out. She's one, she's just a joy when she comes in here, she's so nice to everyone. I'm blessed to
2: have a great family. I've got a phenomenal father that helps me out when and mother that helped me out in ways, you know, my mom's a really helps me out with uh, her designing you know that my my weakest factor is is that you know i know cigars i know people i know sales i don't as far as improving an atmosphere in small details like she does with uh you know picking out certain frames or putting things on certain places is that's kind of her gift and she's i've been blessed enough for where she's been able to come in and Free of charge. <laughs> well, that's a blessing in itself to help me out with that. And uh, my father's helped me out with uh, you know, keeping all... You know, he's a CPA, so he's helping me keep things track accounting-wise. Your father's also done a lot of labor. I've seen
1: yeah. him toting a lot of chairs, a lot of tables, when the fireplace come in and the new humidors.
0: So
2: my dad's someone that I classify as a piddler. Um, he, he, <laughs> loves, he loves to piddle. If there's something that uh, is not perfect... Uh, then he's it will to, it he it will be by the time he will be by the time he gets done with it now that's not to say that I'm not but when I'm you know when I'm here I'm focusing on you know fixing up key issues with the storm and fixing out the main issues before I get to the smaller issues and luckily and thankfully he was able to come in and help me with you know small things like that you know tightening down nuts and bolts on the chairs making sure all the furniture is is set up right and uh, so that that that's been a blessing itself, but I just find it hilarious every time he comes in. He's just always looking for something to piddle. You know, is this something I can do? You know, can I? Uh, you want me to, to count all the tobacco leaves in the pipe tobacco? I mean, it's like, no, no, <laughs> don't don't need to do that. <laughs> that's that's not helpful. But I keep them numbered for just such an
1: occasion. <laughs> Sorry, I watched Foghorn Leghorn on the treadmill this morning. All nice. right, but so. What is something that would surprise the average Joe out there that's thinking, I were to own a
2: cigar bar? Hmm. Let's see. Honestly, I mean, just standard, the the, the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, a lot of people, uh, this is a common thing said in the cigar shop ownership kind of committee, if you want to call it, is there's a lot of people, obviously, that have a huge passion for this industry, that love cigars, and you, know, you got a lot of people that open up their own stores because they love it, and that's it, and uh, they don't really have any true business sense or business knowledge, and uh, you know, one of the things that I planned for and went into was, you know, doing my homework. Is you have a lot of people that love cigars and they just open up a store without realizing the amount of work that goes into it. They think, oh, I'm just going to sit back and you know, talk about cigars with people and, you know, smoke when they, luckily I'm able to do that right now because I've put in the hard work to be able to, but, uh, hence why I've not been able to be on any of the, the shows before that I was uh, invited on. But, um, yeah, just, uh, people, the, the, the amount of labor that goes into, uh, you know, fixing up and getting a, a store up right is it's not just sitting around and smoking cigars all day and, you know, having fun talking with the customers as much as I would like it to be. Uh, that's not a reality you know the reality is is there are books you have to keep there are you know inventory counts you have to do there are pricings and uh you know maintenance issues you deal with constantly it's it's just stuff that nobody really likes to do but it's uh stuff that is you have
0: to do well it's a Um, testament i think to so many cigar owners cigar shop owners in the industry. That make it look so effortless that everyone who sits down in a brick and mortar says, I could do this. And yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, but I think it really shows, you know, if something looks easy, it's probably because the person's doing it is that good at it. Right. And so I think that's really a testament to the hours that you've put in and that that the cigar owners that you mentioned that have the passion for it and that really put in the time and the effort. I think that's when I go to a shop and I'm trying to kind of figure out what kind of place it is, one of the things that I always notice is whether or not the owner is there and how often he's there. You know, there's a very big difference between the feel of a shop when the owner is there and engaged and working, or when, you know, he or she takes, uh, oh, I don't know, a year between visits to the shop. You know, it's a very different atmosphere that's created.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, the, the having uh, that was one of my key things that I wanted to do when I took over was, was be a much more active owner than previous ownership has been in the past, is be both acting owner and manager and really develop a personal relationship with my customers. Not so much as I come in, do the things that are necessary in business, pay a manager and then come check in every couple months. months. That's not how I do it. There's a lot of cigar shops that do it that way. Um, and as you mentioned, in my personal experience and how the vibe that I see, a lot of those stores just aren't comfortable to me. They, you feel unwelcome. You, you don't feel the certain vibes that you like, you know, when you come to a cigar shop. This, the atmosphere in a cigar shop is supposed to predominantly be a relaxing and enjoyable environment. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a place you want to go and, uh, you know, get hammered at with, you know, girls everywhere it's it's not a bar is there is there's a key difference between when we classify it as a cigar bar there's a difference that's why we call it a cigar bar and not just a bar with cigars because there that's a very keen difference is there are bars around here that have small little humidors or have small little cabinets that sell cigars in it but they are predominantly a bar is they have that crowd that comes in there that is that bar atmosphere that's going to come in drink a lot get sloppy gonna have all kinds of issues. And that's not an atmosphere that I've ever wanted to have. Thankfully, we have a good core of, of regulars and a good core of people such as yourselves that are able to come in here and enjoy the relaxing environment that I provide. I don't want any, to get into a bar atmosphere. So people are always trying to talk to me about, you know, possibly bringing in liquor in a ways. And, you know, not that it's not on, not that it's a no, it's just a, it's, it's not where my head is at yet. My head is at building my cigar clientele. It's building up the atmosphere in a friendly cigar environment before I want to tackle anything like that.
0: And you've done a really good job of building up the base so that it's somewhat self-policing. If someone's in here getting a little out of sorts and maybe you're not here or maybe you're helping another customer, the regulars really step up and kind of help maintain order when necessary. Sometimes... Overstepping sometimes not, but (laughs) the truth. (laughs) You know everyone, but everyone feels a sense of ownership in this shop, and I think that's, I think that's a great way to, to sort of measure your level of comfort. Is is how how much the regulars treat it like their clubhouse.
1: Well, and a, the environment of a cigar shop as it pertains to the regulars that are in there. You want them to have a sense of ownership, but never a sense of entitlement. Right. There still has to be that line where we where there's a point where we say, okay, this is the way Austin wants to do it, and we're going to do it the way Austin wants to do it, because it's his, it's his house. So encouraging that, you've done a good job of not holding down and of letting certain key people go that had that sense of entitlement and bringing people in so that it is a more welcoming environment. And I think that's a... That's a balancing act that
0: every cigar owner has to has to face. Well, it is because you have to feel welcome, but still remember that you're a guest. Absolutely, yeah. Now, there,
2: I mean, in any kind of of business where you have constant, you know, uh, regulars that come in, you have people. Is, is as you mentioned, is there's a certain level of entitlement that uh, can portray with uh, certain people. Um, and unfortunately, I've had to let some some of those classified regulars go because, as you mentioned, they do. I felt like they had that sense of entitlement, and they did not want to listen to the new change or new order or new things that I wanted to apply to the store. And uh, you know, I'm not being a dictator or anything like that. Um, I'm, in that sense, it's just there's certain people that just I I don't want in my store if they're going to be that kind of person.
0: Well, and also you have to. I mean. Just to put, not to put, hmm, let me try that again. Um, Not to put too fine a point on it, but the the previous ownership was not in the store as much because it was a satellite location. And so there were a lot of things that were allowed to go unnoticed. And so it's not so much that you're coming in and, and changing the rules and forcing people to bend to your will so much as you're just you're able to put eyes on things that have been going on forever and you're able to kind of just actually manage the store which hadn't been happening for a while so
1: go ahead and it's and here's something for everybody out there listening that is a regular at a cigar lounge take care of the employees they'll take care of you you know last night we had our poker game here and tom petty who's been on here with us before Tom was working hard. I mean, we were where the poker table was set up, some of us were kind of, we had a big game. We were kind of blocked in, so Tom was running beer and running things to us above and beyond what I would call the normal range of duty, and I made it a point to tell all the guys at the poker table, hey, fellas, put a couple extra bucks in the tip jar tonight. Tom's been working real hard for us, so... Kind of think about that when you're in lounges and such, because that goes a long way with the employees to really meaning a lot to
0: them that you're, you know, that you're taking care of them. Well, and you also, I want to ask your opinion on this, because I know when I've owned businesses in the past, it also, as a business owner, makes me feel good to know that my customers are taking care of my employees because then it's happy employees make for better business, make for happier customers, and so it's a, really a cycle. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I that I have whenever I'm here, if I
2: have another employee on, which is a lot of the time, um, is you know right away I make sure that all my employees get all of the tips. You know, even though I'm here working and both help working bar and everything like that, you know, I. I want to take care of my employees you know it's not my objective as both owner and manager to just take tips from them they're they're working hard and they're they're uh one of my ways that I'm going to that I reward them is you know helping them out with their tips and you know I give them uh, bonuses bonus incentives a lot of things that has not been done here in the past so the uh employees that were here they just you know didn't really uh, care to go above and beyond, as you mentioned, uh, is I've been adding in incentives to where the employees are willing and wanting to work more. They're wanting to work harder because they have a reason to. They're not just getting paid an hourly wage and that you know they get a, a slap on the wrist at the end of the night. You know I've been trying to grow my relationship with my employees as well so that way that uh, I could build a good core foundation of both clientele and employment.
0: Yeah, it's like training a dog. It's positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement. Um, well, we're going to
1: step away for a break. Sorry, Trey. I'm stepping on you tonight for That's all right. Reason. I was
0: going to step away from, for a break as well. But
1: when we come back for the break, I got to know about your first show, how that was in Vegas, how you enjoyed that. Want to talk to you some more about the future of Crown Cigars, where we're going. Are we opening another Crown Cigars? Um, How big? How big are you wanting to go, or is this it? Is this where you want this just to be all your energy and the best cigar lounge that anybody can go to? It become a destination.
0: So we'll be right back with that and more from Austin's master class on brick and mortar cigar shop ownership. After this.
2: This is Austin Huff with Crown Cigars and Ales over here at the Cigar Cast, and this is the etiquette tip of the week. And the etiquette tip of the week from a cigar shop owner is flick your ashes in the ashtrays that we provide and not on the floor. This is not your outside patio, and uh, as much as uh, we don't like cleaning up the floors already, uh, we'd pref- prefer not to uh, pick up all the ashes that people dump on the floor. So uh, be respectful and uh, put them in the ashtray.
1: And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. Shane Reeves, sitting across from Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. Our special guest, Austin Huff. Glad to be back. La owner, la presidente. Sí, si, señor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm smoking again tonight. I'm smoking the new La Aurora DNA. What are you thinking of it? I love it. I just I love this cigar. I love the complexity. I love the smoothness. Even though this is usually the time of year my
0: palate turns to a darker cigar, this is still just hitting the spot. Well, that's kind of how I feel about my my Romeo 505 Nicaraguan. It's... It, I I went in the humidor with a purpose and I went right for it and it was the perfect choice for the night. It's I'm getting lots of that leather and spice and pepper those flavors that I really love and that you you notice out of a a, a good Nicaraguan and it's just everything that I wanted it to be.
2: Yeah, and the the pork tenderloin that I'm smoking. I mean, this is the first one that I've had because it is the, the limited release that uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, um, and it is. Way, I mean, a lot of the time when special releases uh, come out or limited releases, uh, sometimes they're very underwhelming, honestly. And uh, didn't know what to expect because I don't really have expectations in the cigar industry anymore because some people, you know, think some things are good. Everybody's palate's different. So, um, but this is my first time smoking it, and it is phenomenal. It is that very distinct dark. Black pepper tatuaje, Um very dark black pepper tatouage. That's got a lot of rich dark leather and complexity to it. Um, and I'm I'm loving it right now for a great afternoon smoke.
1: Well, and you've recently got in the Opus twentieth. I
2: did. I did.
1: I did not get one of the big ones before they sold out. I didn't get up to the shop. I just time. got
2: two more boxes in there, right behind the. Register. Are they the big ones? <laughs> uh, no, not the big big ones. There's, they're not small though. There's three different sizes. They got the Power of the Dream, the Believe, and then the Father and Son. That's what they call them all. So, the the Power of the Dream, which is the one that's already that sold out instantly, was the the biggest one. And then the uh, uh, Power, or I'm sorry, Father and Son is the medium, the middle of the road. It's about a a 54 by six, 54 by six and a half maybe. And then uh, the Believe is uh, about a robusto. I'll have to
1: pick one up tonight before I go home. I I haven't sm- now. You've smoked it. How is it?
2: Personally, I'm not a big Opus X fan. Um, in general, uh, I I know it's it, People will bash at me for my comment about it. It's just Opus for me right off the shelf. Is just it's too much for me. It's not what I what I like in a Fuente. Typically, uh, now saying that Opus that's aged is one of the best sticks. Period. So what I like to do when I get in stuff like this is I always grab, obviously, some stash for myself, and I'll stash away four or five in the humidor for a year, let it drop off, let it, let it smooth, let that an- ammonia slowly build out and, and have that rich, uh, more of a sweetness drops off some of that pepper that you get from it. Um, but, I mean, I've smoked it, and it, it's, it's good right off the shelf, but uh, I just typically recommend people that buy it and store it
0: we ought to get Jonathan on the horn and see what he thinks about it. Being such a huge yeah. Opus X fanboy, I'd love to hear his review of it.
1: Well, and he, yeah, he loves everything Opus, but you do have a good point, especially with the special releases. Aging them is, it's nothing harder than aging a special release. Cause you went to all the trouble to buy a special release and now you're like, okay, I'm going to wait. And yeah. it's difficult.
2: Absolutely. No, I mean, like, like when there are certain sticks that, you know, some are my favorites that I get in as, as some of your favorites, like when the, the feral flying pigs come in, I mean, uh, you know, part of you wants to smoke it right away. Most of the time that ends up happening, at least for myself, uh, when I do get a special release or something that's very limited is I tell myself, I'm going to store this away. And then that one day comes by that you've had that bad day or it's on that amazing day that you're just like, you know what, this is the day.
1: Sitting oh. on the beach in Mexico. My first Padron 90th was on the beach in Mexico.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And just looking out over the ocean, a big umbrella over top of me, a cigar in my hand, an adult beverage in the other one. It don't get better Heaven. than that. See, Heaven
0: on what, earth. That's one of the things I've got to get better at is actually be, at setting cigars back and letting them age. And I, I tend not to do that as well as... You th- even when I buy a box, I have a really hard time setting a few back and just sitting on them. I always end up smoking them. So tell us about your first year at the show.
2: So uh, the, if for the listeners that don't know, so there's a, a big trade show every year uh, that all the retailers go to um, uh, around uh, middle of July most of the time. Uh, it was in Vegas this year and uh, didn't know what to, uh, didn't really know what to expect being my first one, you know, I, I came very prepared with the companies that I knew I wanted to uh, get new in the humidor, um, knew the companies that I wanted to obviously save some money on and order in bulk that I sold really well. Uh, but some of the most exciting thing always at the trade show is trying the new stuff that uh, is totally new that nobody else has had yet and uh that's that's one of the benefits of going to this trade show uh unlike going to uh uh, what's the one in november uh the big smoke that's out in vegas every year that's more of the customer base that's not so much of new releases as it is on introducing uh people to uh, cigars in their line so uh it was it was exciting i mean i i i got out there and uh when I first walked in and, and the, the show in, it was at the Las Vegas Convention Center this year, which is massive. I mean, it is huge. Uh, you're, you're walking for a mile to get from one end to the other. I mean, that's how big it is. It is massive. So just to see all the different uh, uh, distributors and manufacturers and uh, of some super boutique companies that even I've never heard of is always very exciting. And to find those gems that, uh, everybody kind of picks up on or that some people might not that, uh, you get to try is always a treat. So
0: was there anything that blew you away?
2: Uh, all of my favorite releases at the show, uh, were ones that were from uh, not super boutique companies. Um, unfortunately with, uh, all the, uh, FDA stuff going on right now and, uh, all the manufacturers are, pretty scared about what's going to happen, there wasn't a ton of new releases at the trade show this year. Uh, so, uh, but of the ones that were released, uh, my f- top three favorites by far were uh, the uh Cato was number one, LFD. Uh, if I haven't mentioned before, I'm a diehard LFD fanboy. Uh, I love, love LFD. Uh, they make so many phenomenal cigars. If you're a full-bodied smoker and you've never smoked LFD, I highly recommend going to your nearest cigar shop. Preferably mine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, picking up some LFDs. So the new La Avocado was just, it was dark and rich and leathery and peppery and full of bodied and just that classic LFD uh, flavor that you get when you smoke their stuff. So uh, the Anaconda was number two, which is the part of the third release of the Amazon Basin Trilogy that General Cigar is doing. I had one um, of those. It was fantastic. It is absolutely phenomenal. I was blown away. Because uh, the Amazon Basin, I I loved that cigar. They came out with the Fuman Corda, wasn't my favorite. I'll be honest. The Fuman Corda was, was, in my opinion, the lesser of the three. Uh, but the Anaconda, when I smoked it, was just f- phenomenal. It's it's got that, as Shane mentioned earlier, it's got a lot of those deep, rich, complex flavors to it. But with the Branca tobacco that they age in it, it's very. Uh, smooth it's also it's very very smooth cigar but has a lot of deep complexity to it and i as you mentioned i love that in a cigar as well is uh it's very hard to find a lot of gems as you mentioned that are like that that are consistent and to be able to to find something that was totally new that already had that flavor without any age on it whatsoever was phenomenal
1: um, now did you go to any of the dinners you know i know they always have like Drew Estate will have a dinner or uh, lfd will have a dinner did you go to any of those So the only
2: thing that i went to as far as it was the big uh, general cigar open release party so they had the big uh, dinner and big uh, open release party where they introduced and showed the new macanudos that just came out um and i know the name macanudo has had such a uh, not necessarily a bad rep but such an old school rep for such a long time uh, they've they've totally rehashed it reblended it they've got three different lines in it they've got the black, the white, and then the orange, uh, the Inspirado lines. And uh, the black that they released, I was very, very surprised with. Very, very good cigar. Now, the white being a Connecticut shade wrapper, I've never been a big Connecticut. I'm not a big mild fan personally. So uh, don't really have much to say about it, honestly. It's, it's sold very well in my store so far. But the black has just got a lot of rich, uh, toasty flavors to it. Um, it's definitely on the medium full side of, uh, medium full to plus side of things. So, and at a great price. So uh, that was the only big cigar like dinner thing I went to. Being that I'm new, uh, a lot of the time, these manufacturers, they they want to take take their biggest guys. You know, they're their biggest hitters. And being that I'm new, I don't really have an established big hitter yet uh, since, you know, I'm kind of rehashing the human or introducing a lot of new things, pushing a lot of new things. So uh, I was invited to a couple, Uh, but ultimately didn't decide to go to those because I was more focused on the the trade show aspect of it.
0: Now, I've heard from a lot of people that the the show is getting smaller and smaller every year. Um, Just the FDA having a big part of that, but there being a number of other things. How was the atmosphere at the show with the manufacturers as well as the other retailers that you...
2: Well, here's what what most people on the retail side will tell you is the retail side of things is, uh, there wasn't as many manufacturers as people thought. Now being my first show, obviously I didn't know what to expect, but from what I've cultivated from people in the past is they've explained that, uh, there's more, there's typically a lot more boutiques there. There's a lot of really small booths and there wasn't a ton this year. There was a good select selection of it, but there wasn't a ton of smaller boutiques. So uh, the turnout was not uh, nearly as big as from what people have said in the past. Is, In my opinion, it was still a decent turnout, but it wasn't packed from the retailer side by any means. There was a lot of room. There was a lot of companies that were uh, not having meaties that were just kind of standing around. Um, but on the positive note of things, this, this is what if you have on a, uh, anybody that reps for a company, uh, that you've asked about this, I'm not sure if y'all have yet about the trade show. Is they'll tell you that uh, the turnout was smaller, but almost everybody was out there. wasn't just window shopping. They're buying, and they're not just buying a box or two. You know, they're placing very healthy orders. So uh, overall, there was a lot of companies that that they were up. They they sold a lot of cigars. They there was there was a lot of good numbers that were sold at the show. But uh, as far as the turnout, there wasn't as big of a turnout, but. I mean, for me personally, I'd rather people be out there that are, you know, being serious and spending money and, you know, actually wanting to get some of the new stuff that's out there instead of just going out there to party and get hammered and use it as a vacation, which I know that a lot of people typically have done in the past.
1: Now, you got to meet with some other owners from across the country. Did they... When when y'all meet, do y'all share ideals? What's worked in your shop? What happened, or are they more protective of what their techniques
2: are? It depends on location. <laughs> now, if it, and uh, a lot of it depends on uh, if you're in close competition to each other, number one, and number two, if they plan on having any future endeavors and being a store near you. Now, obviously, nobody really talks about that. that they're going to obviously say, "Hey, I plan on opening a store in your area," because that's kind of uh, rude to tell another owner.
0: Plus, uh, you don't uh, want to show your hand. Exactly,
2: exactly. So, But mo- most of the, the o- new owners and stuff that I met, uh, it was mainly just, uh, you know, uh, being that I'm new, you know, I asked just a lot of kind of basic questions and wh- how they started, the trials and tribulations they gone through. What things that have worked for them, what they haven't worked. You know, I'm just trying to take in as much information as I can, whether it's good or bad, so I can form my own opinion on what I want to do with my store. So, some of the people that I met out there that were phenomenal, that are semi close to my area but aren't in uh, competition, is like uh, met uh, Donald, who is the owner of the Cigar Room down in Madison, and uh, his manager Brady, who manages over at uh, the Cigar Room, and. I got along with them very, very well. You know, They gave me a lot of good tips and advice, and I got along with Brady a lot. We talk cigars, and uh, we have a very similar palate. So um. just an outstanding couple of
1: guys. I know Donald Absolutely. and Brady both um, great guys. Brady is the, he's the quintessential right-hand man you want if you're going to have a spare shop. You know, if you, there are two shops, the Shoals and Madison, and they're about an hour 15 away. And he, one thing Donald has excelled at is building a great customer base like we talked about earlier. I was at an event for Donald, and he ran out of a particular cigar. He called down at the other shop, and one of his customers was there and loaded him up into his car and actually brought him to Madison from the Shoals for Donald. That's awesome.
2: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, just, he's, he's cultivated a great, um, great set of regulars there, much like you're trying to do here. And really it benefits everybody because there's people that are just loyal to it down there. And just a a great set of shop, great couple of guys to get to know. Um, The lady that runs Prattville Cigar, I forget her name, but she's really sweet, um, was in Prattville four or five weeks ago. And her humidor is starting to lack a little, but she does have, we talked about it on the show, she actually has a dot system on all of her cigars. And a red dot means full body. The yellow dot means light. A green dot means medium. And when you walk into her humidor, you can look at the color of the dot on the cigar box, and it'll actually tell you what strength that cigar is going to be. And that kind of saves her a lot of time explaining to people when they're in there trying to pick a cigar out.
2: Right. No, absolutely. I mean, that that's an idea that I've kind of had in the past uh, that I've thought about, uh, it's not really what I kind of envision for my store being that I, I like to handle my customers when they come in. I like to go in there and I, I, I like the fact of explaining to customers. I like to show my passion on the tobacco. Now, although that is, not that it's a negative thing, it is very helpful to people that are just going in there and seeing what all is mild and medium and strong. I like to be able to go in there and be able to build that relationship with the customer, being able to explain to them, this is what the cigar is, being able to, kind of work them when they explain what the flavors are going to be what what uh it, you know the good pricing on some cigars that are in there i mean i like to have uh, more of a relationship with them on that instead of them just kind of going in and, and shopping and, and looking based on those colors not that it's a bad it's a great idea it's just not what i envision
1: yeah and it's you know there's certain things that work in madison you know we were talking about off the air Certain things they do in Madison that wouldn't work with our clientele here. Certain things we do with our clientele here that wouldn't work there. So it's a difference in the clientele. And knowing your customer, it's the most important thing you can do in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the best-selling
2: cigar in the shop? What do you sell the most of? Um, That's been changing constantly, honestly, Um, is the original... uh, Biggest seller before I took over the store was the uh, local-owned Crown Heads Tennessee Waltz, and that is still definitely up there as one of my bigger sellers. But being that I've brought in so much new stuff and really beefed up the humidor, you know, I've got a lot of customers that are excited about that. So they've been trying a lot of new stuff, all the new stuff that I bring in. I've brought in so many new companies and lines and wrappers and 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 cigars that people are kind of trying everything right now. Um, so. Uh, I'd say my biggest selling cigar is the Illusione uh, Rothschild, um, being that I, it comes in a massive box of 50, but I, I go through a box every week because I have a very good core of regulars and people that go in there that grab you know four or five of them constantly because, one, it's a good budget smoke, and, two, it's just a phenomenal cigar. I believe we've talked about it on the show in the past. Um, I'm not sure if I was on for that one or not, but uh, that's just in my opinion, one of my favorite sticks, period, and one of my biggest sellers in the humidor.
1: Well, and the Waltz is your biggest seller because Trey's buying, you know, a box <laughs> or two of them every time they get in the humidor. So if we, if we take Trey out of the equation, it's the illusion <laughs> right. Rothschild.
0: Now, one of the things I did want to ask you, and I know you only have one frame of reference, but looking back on what your experience has been like to this point, if if faced with starting a shop from scratch or taking over an established one? I think we may have even asked you this the first time you were, you were on, um, but now with a little bit more experience, would you still go the route that you did or do you think that?
2: I, I would go with the route I did the, for this location. It all depends on what the, uh, the biggest thing in the cigar shop industry is. It doesn't matter how beautiful you build a store and how awesome and how great you are at marketing it. Is if it is not set in a good location with a good traffic of people, it's not going to be successful. I mean, that's in, that's just kind of a business standard. But one of my key things that I wanted to do starting off was taking over a store that, one, was been there long enough, so it already had a smaller key regular basis, and I was able to grow on that and uh, have a... Um, uh, just the potential to uh, grow an established store was just so much easier. Yeah. You know, starting up a store there's there's so much more uh, overhead that you have to pay for already. I mean all the things that I get and then I, when you accumulate a store that's already exist, you know, you're not paying full cost on the items that obviously that he paid for. So starting a whole new store from scratch, I mean you're talking from building out a whole new humidor, building out all your shelving, tables, furniture, if you're selling beer, kegerating. Uh, I mean, building the whole washroom, washing thing. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into establishing a, a startup store. Now, not to say that I wouldn't do it. I have plans in the future to possibly expand. Right now, my head is at this store and only this store. But um, if I were to do it all over again, I would stick with the store that it is right now because of the growth uh potential that it, one, has, and two, just the experience and the exposure that I needed uh, to get the understanding of how everything is going to work before I try to go out and do it all from scratch.
0: Yeah.
1: So dealing with reps, is it much different dealing with the reps as the owner as it was? Because I know you worked at this store. You worked at a previous store that I went to. You've worked at cigar stores most of your adult life. Yeah. Is dealing with the
2: reps as an owner a totally different ball game? So one of the things when I took over that I was uh, very clear about with my not only my reps but with kind of customers and stuff as well is uh, I didn't want people to treat me any differently. And in a way, as far as I, I didn't want a rep to come in and pardon my French, but start kissing my butt and you know trying to suck up to me now. whenever they, if they were crude or ignored me before. So, uh, that was one thing that when I took over, uh, with reps that I was, I I explained to them, I was like, look, I own this store now and we're going to have a certain level of business, which makes sense. But, you know, I want us to still have that, uh, sort of relationship that we had before, you know, it is a business and we do have work to get done, but, you know, don't, don't try to, you know, do anything that you wouldn't do if I was, you know, just say a manager or if I was just an employee, you know, treat me as a human being, not as just an owner. You know, I like to build a relationship with you as well. You know, I wanted to have a good foundation. So there's been some reps here and there that have, uh, you know, taken advantage of me and my youth and my inexperience and ownership. And, uh, that's to be expected. I'm not, uh, I'm not stupid when it comes to that. Uh, I knew that that was going to happen with certain people and uh, I've felt like I've dealt with it uh, properly in the way that I've needed to. But uh, s- some, some of the reps have treated me uh, a little bit differently, uh, but a lot of them, being that the area that we're in, we have a lot of really good reps, uh, and they've not really treated me so much differently besides, obviously, that certain level of, of uh, respect and, and understanding whenever, whenever we are doing business.
1: And that's, that's important to do. Now, one thing that we always do that I don't want to get off the show before we do, because our Cigar Under $8 this week, I actually have a story to go with it. So I do want to stop and cover Cigar Under $8 real quick. All right. So this week, I had an interesting experience of one of the regulars in here. John said, you know, it was the al- night of the Alabama game. He says, I've got a guy coming. He said, John, introduce me to the world of cigars. And he said, what do I put in his hand? Which is a great question. I was glad to see John kind of gathering data from all of us around as to what to put in this man's hand. So I told him I would put a Olivia Series O in his hand. Good medium to mild cigar. Good for a first cigar. Not going to break the budget. And I wanted to feature that on the Cigar Under $8 tonight kind of for that reason. That new Olivo Series O, the it's a Nicaraguan puro. It's wrapper, binder, filler, all Nicaraguan. It's a five by forty-three. You don't really want to start a new guy on a six by sixty, but I also don't want to start him on a Rothschild. I always like to start them on a little bit, so they feel like they're smoking a cigar. They don't feel right. like they're smoking a big cigarette. Right. So the and the MSRP is five dollars and thirty cents, thirty-six cents. Oh wow. It's rated 91 on Aficionado. Just a great deal on a great cigar. Have you had
0: experience with this cigar, tray? I have. I mentioned a couple of months ago that I re-fell in love with Oliva. And so I've been smoking a lot more of their stuff lately. And it's... It's on the milder side of medium. It's probably a mild plus. I agree. And so it's, it's all about where your palate is for that particular time of year or that day, depending on you know, when you're smoking it. But I think it's a fantastic cigar for the price because you don't, you don't lose complexity. You know, so often when you go down in price range, you, you get some flavor, you get some strength, but you lose a little bit of that complexity. Uh, And I think Oliva does a really good job of blending that well in a a very reasonable price point. Now,
2: Austin, is there a
1: house blend in the future of Crown Cigars and Ales?
2: There is. I've actually been in discussion with uh, creating and having my own house blend. Uh, I have not decided on a name yet, uh, because being a house blend, you obviously get the choice to... uh, name the blend that you have you um, got to call it the family jewels <laughs> right <laughs> crown crown, yeah. crown cigars family jewels yeah that's a good idea
1: <laughs> so on facebook.com slash the cigar cast or on instagram or on twitter twitter send us some suggestions i'd love to have some suggestions for what austin's <laughs> new house blend cigar should be named i I, I don't know why i'm thinking the armadillo extreme <laughs> something like that <laughs> somewhere in the you just better hope i'm not at
2: a yard sale and find a stuffed armadillo because oh, it's, it's coming it's, it's, <laughs> it would look
0: really good on top of those lockers right over there
2: <laughs> and then that'll be a key point whenever people come in and they say why is there a stuffed armadillo up there well we got a good story to talk about
1: <laughs> that's right you always you always want your decor to reflect a, a good story behind it um the military wall in here is something that everybody notices when they
0: walk in the door. You've done a fantastic job of revamping that from what it was uh, when you took over to really putting some emphasis on that, and it looks really good.
1: It's, it's made a big difference. It is something, and it's in a great location. It's not tucked off away. I mean, when you walk in the door, you see that. You see the pictures of the regulars here and the people that have visited here in their military regalia and you get to sit down and talk to them and it's just it creates a more a more
0: gentlemanly environment i right. think i'm still coming down from the high i got from being in here the day they were lacquering that thing oh yeah that was <laughs> a lot of fun yeah
2: i re i redid the military wall you know made it an, a, an accent wall you know i wanted it to be as you said something noticeable when people come in because you know one of the things that i've been improving on is you know i give military discounts all the time and uh I wanted to make it a nice accent wall so that's both a commemoration to the troops, both fallen and risen, that are uh, fighting and uh, serving our country. Uh, but also, you know, give back. is uh, During uh, Veterans Day that's coming up, I plan on doing a big uh, Veterans Day uh, event with uh, giving away uh, quite a lot of cigars from my own personal collection and uh, having a lot of things involved with it. So... Uh, Just one of my things that I wanted to give back to the people because being, you know, veterans are are very big cigar smokers. You know, they love the cigar industry. It's it's just something that's helped them, I guess, overseas. You know, I've personally not served in the military, so I won't pretend to know what I know what it's like. But uh, I wanted to to try to do what I could to uh, commemorate and honor those troops. So if you're listening and you come into my store, bring in a picture so I can put it up on the wall because we're always looking for more pictures to put up there.
1: Well, and the military discount, it's it's great. It really makes them feel a little more at home. I never served myself. I always thought if I had it to do over again, I probably would have. But I never served myself, but I have a great deal of respect for them. And it's fun to just sit and talk to the veterans that are in here and to hear their stories and hear when they were overseas. And, you know, we contribute from the poker game every week to Cigars for Warriors. And to hear them talk about receiving that in a desert somewhere and having that little taste of home get to come back to them, it just it warms your heart a little to, ha- to have that feeling. Well,
0: Absolutely. I think that's a really warm note to go out on this week. Austin, I really thank you for sitting down and chatting with us. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, Shane? You've already done the plug for all of our social media and everything, so I think it's time to sit down and enjoy what's left of our cigars for this evening.
1: Well, everyone out there, enjoy yourself this week. Have a good cigar. Think well of us.